Tonight I am going to speak on the subject, a stone's throw. A stone's throw. Would you say that with me? A stone's throw. And you may be seated. I will tell you at the outset, connecting to God's purpose, connecting to God's purpose, requires you to go further. Connecting to God's purpose requires you to go further. Amen? We went to a uh, art exhibit in Melbourne since we've been here. Not not my favorite artist, but one of my top three favorite artists. His work was on display there, and uh, that was Van Gogh. Van Gogh, they say in Europe, which is correct. But people that don't know any better in the states say Van Gogh, which that was me, but. Van Gogh. Now, what if I had went to that art museum? I met the assistant curator of the art museum. He was answering questions. My wife hailed him down. I had a question, and and we had been to the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam, and uh, I had some questions relating to that. Some of the works were on display at this one in Melbourne. Anyway, the paintings were were beautiful. I, I discussed. But what if I had went up? Uh, will you be my curator for a minute, my uh, assistant curator? Uh, what if I had went up to him and said, Mr. Curator, I want you to ensure that I will enjoy this exhibit more than anyone else that comes to see it today or ever. I want you to make sure that I enjoy these paintings more than anyone else. What could he say? Is that in his power? We went to hear the symphony before sometimes during the holidays, and hope that's okay, but too late if it's not. <laughs> what if I went up to the conductor and said before he started conducting, I want you to make sure that I enjoy this performance more than anyone else in any of these seats. What would he say? First, he would say, will you get off my stage? No. Uh, the curator of the art museum, the, the, the symphony conductor, would have to say, that is not in my power. Because how much you enjoy this totally depends on your capacity 
and your passion for the subject. I can't, I can't give that to you. I can't ensure that because uh, it's impossible for me to give you a desire that is greater. The person that will get the most out of this exhibit is the person who has the greatest desire and appreciation for the art. I'm coming for you. You know that, don't you? So in this conference, I wish I could say, if someone came up to me and said, make sure that I get the greatest blessing, I would have to say, that's not in my power. It's the person who desires God the most that will receive the most. Amen? They got a good old country restaurant down in southern Missouri called Lambert's. All the cholesterol you can eat on a plate. Everything's fried. It's amazing. But, you know, it's, it's good food. But printed on the menu, it says, if you ain't hungry, nothing we got's going to taste good. It's the hunger that makes the difference. I'm glad I'm among hungry people tonight. You can feel it in the service. You can feel it in the worship. There's an anticipation. When we sing and we worship him, we, there are people already that have been blessed because you sense the presence of Almighty God. And, and while somebody here could leave and say, I didn't feel a thing, uh, other people are, are, are going to leave and say, I received exactly what I wanted. Why? Because there's a capa- there's an openness and a desire. I'm glad I'm in an apostolic church tonight. I'm glad I'm in an apostolic conference tonight. It's Foundations Conference. I thank everyone that's here, all the churches that are represented. So honored to be with Brother and Sister Butcher. And I love these people. They are some of my closest friends. I tell people, we're like this. This is me over here. But <laughs> no, it's really not. We're, we're very, very close. We stay in touch all the time. FaceTime. The miles make no difference. He's one of my very closest friends. And I love that. And a 20-year relationship is just, it's just beautiful. But I'm glad I'm in an apostolic church. I read an a, a article, a writer that posted a blog about false prophets of our day. And I'm glad I'm not in that kind of atmosphere tonight. But uh, he, one type of false prophet that he mentioned is called the tickler, he called it. The tickler is a false teacher who cares nothing for what God wants and everything for what men want. He's the man pleaser rather than the God pleaser. Paul thought of him as the ear tickler. Uh, In 2 Timothy he said, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears they will accumulate to themselves 
teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. He wrote, The tickler craves popularity and praise from the world. To maintain his followers' respect, he preaches only on the parts of the Bible they deem acceptable. Therefore, he speaks much of happiness, but little of sin. Much of heaven, but nothing of hell. He gives them only what they want to hear. He preaches a partial gospel, which is no gospel at all. The tickler as old as the church itself. In the 19th century, he was Henry Ward Beecher. In the 20th century, he was Norman Vincent Peale and Robert Schuller. Today, he, they said the, the, the statement, Joel Osteen, pastor of the largest church in America, who is known equally for his toothy smile and vacuous content. And this is the writer. This is not me, so don't get angry at me. Uh, he preaches an empty gospel to a packed-out church. Like the false prophets of Jeremiah's day, he and the thousands like him say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. But I'm glad you're here today at an apostolic church. I'm glad you still want to know what God wants you to do. I'm glad you still want to become like him and be made into his image. It's The Bible says that the, the, the scripture is profitable for doctrine and reproof and correction and instruction. It's positive and it's negative. But God, thank you. Every once in a while I need to come to church and have surgery done on me. You know why? Because if there's a cancer growing in me, I need God to cut it out. I need God to do surgery in my heart and say, that's going to kill you if you don't get that out of there. Sometimes you need the Word of God to get in there and and separate between the good and the bad and say, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heal you, but it's going to hurt first. I'm making myself at home tonight. I hope that's all right. But we all really still want to know, as one book's title asked, how good do I have to be? How good do I have to be? Where's the cutoff point? Where on one side you're eternally lost and on the other side you're overjoyed eternally with Jesus. Where is the line? Now, I'm here for this whole conference, but I'm going to challenge you tonight if that's all right. If it's not, I still have to be obedient to the Holy Ghost. So I've come here to preach to you. Is that all right? Turn to somebody and say, buckle up. Where is the line? Where is the line between disobedience and obedience? Where is the line between depart from me, I never knew you, and well done, thou good and faithful servant? Where is the line? Listen. Where is the line between the five wise bridesmaids and the five foolish bridesmaids? Where is that line? 
Where is the line between the servant who buried his talent and the others who multiplied theirs? Where is the line between the goats that depart to the Lord's left and the sheep that enter into the joy of the Lord? Where is that line? Where is the line between the wayside soil and the good soil that produces a crop? Where is the line between Agrippa saying, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And the Ethiopian's response, Here is water, what hinders me? from being baptized. Where is that line? I want to say again, connecting to God's purpose requires you to go further. I want to read a text. Luke 22, 39 through 47. It's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. What an important passage of Scripture. It says, it's the New King James Version, Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. Everybody say a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed. Saying, Father... If it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. You know, when Jesus has an angelic visitation to strengthen him, that's quite a struggle. And being in what? And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he arose up from the prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them what? Luke says, sleeping from sorrow. If you know anything about psychology, that's a sign of depression. They were sleeping from Sorrow. They weren't just dozing off. Jesus had been turning a corner, heading toward Calvary. And they were weary. When he said, pray that you don't enter into temptation, it was a temptation of sorrow and weariness. I'm sure nobody else has ever felt that temptation but they did. Maybe there is someone else that's ever... 
show of hands, anybody ever? So we can relate. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The very next verse says, and while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. And you know the rest of the story, how he was arrested at that point. Jesus brought his disciples and he gathered them around and said, pray that you don't enter into temptation. He brought the, the three that were closest a little further and, and he, farther and he, he, he had them pray. And Jesus went a stone's throw farther than that. Now we have to learn the difference grammatically between further and farther. Or we have to be reminded. I have problems with that, so I had to look it up. The quick way to remember it is to use farther for physical distance and further for metaphorical or or figurative distance. They say it's easy to remember because farther has the word far in it and far obviously relates to physical distance. Now for me, I understand far has to do with actual physical distance. Fur is a connecting word showing purpose in the south. As in when they say, what's this button fur? Farther is where Jesus went. Further is where we must go. Theodore Roosevelt, in a speech called Citizenship in a Republic, delivered in Paris, France in 1910. I like his speech. He said, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who actually strives to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasm, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he falls, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. If you look into the book of Luke, It brings us into this cosmic struggle. The narrative pays attention to to the disclosure and the realization of the will of God. And it calls for people, you and I, the readers, to align themselves with God's purpose. Within the third gospel, 
the time of testing is loaded with the notion of this diabolic assault. It's emphasized by the content in Jesus' prayer and by the appearance of the strengthening angel. This is no small fight. It reminds you of Jesus being tested in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry when the nature of his obedience was at stake. But Luke lets us get a glimpse into the the battle. It's Dr. Luke's intent in his narration to portray Jesus and the disciples in parallel, showing how each one responds to the attack from the enemy. Upon arriving at the Mount of Olives, one of their favorite places to go and pray, Jesus exhorts the disciples to pray so they will not enter into temptation. He knows the real possibilities of them denying him. He knows that Satan has desired to sift them like wheat. I want you to understand this is more than a trial. Satan is trying to get them to defect. Everything is on the line. Can I just say prayer is important? I'm going to say it again. Prayer is important. Because it will protect them from unfaithfulness and encourage them to persevere. Prayer is important because it expresses a need for God. Can I say we need to pray because we need God? Prayer expresses our need. If you think you're going to make it in this world on your own, then you're never going to make it very far. Because prayer expresses our need. Oh God, it's not my brother or my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. There's times I want to say, I I may be the pastor, but I'm the first one in the altar because I know how much I need God. I know I can't make it on my own. I know I don't have a hope in this world without your power. Prayer encourages them to rest in God's care. That's the attitude the apostles or the disciples need in these extremely difficult moments. And Jesus, in his use of the language in that context, suggests that it needs to be a constant attitude. Everybody say a constant attitude. That's what the Bible's talking about, praying without ceasing. I always need to understand how much I need him. I don't care if I'm at work, at the job. I don't care if I'm in the supermarket. Wherever I am, I need to understand. I need God all the time. I need to be in a spirit of prayer all the time. I I need to have a constant attitude like that. But Jesus leaves the disciples, and he goes to pray alone. Luke 
specifies the distance as a stone's throw. It's a figurative description of a short distance. How far can you throw a stone? What do you think? How far can you throw a stone in metric measurement? Ten meters. It's ten meters further, according to our expert. So Jesus says, I'm going to go farther. And he goes a stone's throw. And he kneels in humility. A stone's throw farther than the disciples. And the narrator uses the space to communicate emotion. And then when you look at the different Gospels, it describes Jesus' posture. When you compare it, especially with the 18th chapter, uh, where the Pharisee and the tax collector both stand and pray, then Jesus' kneeling calls for our notice. That was uncommon. The common habit and posture for prayer was standing. Kneeling to pray draws special attention to submission in prayer, as well as the urgency and the intensity of the prayer itself. And we get a composite picture of Jesus' posture from three of the Gospels. Luke describes him as kneeling. You read it on the screen. Mark's Gospel, full of action and urgency, shows Jesus, quote, falling to the ground. Matthew observes him falling to his face. And then you look at his prayer. Jesus prays and reveals his mood as he faces death. The prayer in Luke stresses Jesus' submission to the will of God, both before and after the request that he makes. And the language indicates the presence of intense emotion. If you are willing, if you are willing, Remove this cup. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. The initial expression speaks of deliberation and request. A request for God to change his will is not unusual. Have you ever prayed for God to change his mind? Can I get a witness? Oh, God, I know I have. I don't want to go through this. I'm tired of this trial. I'm tired of this situation. I'm going to tell you something. Although Jesus was fully God, Jesus was fully man. In every sense, Jesus was like Adam was before the fall. No sin, but fully human. How would you feel as a human facing your execution? How would you feel if you knew you were hours away from a cross? 
And Jesus' choice to face the cross was an act of supreme service, suffering, and sacrifice. It was the ultimate example of what he taught the disciples when he washed their feet. I'm not better than you are. I'm going to go ahead of you and pay the price for you. An angel appears in response to his prayers. Supernatural help arrives. Can I tell you God stands by those who suffer according to his will? Jesus did not suffer alone, and you will not suffer alone. He is still like the fourth man in the fire with the three Hebrew children. I don't know about you, but I've been in the middle of the fire sometimes, and it sure is good to understand there's a God that still cares for me, and even though the enemy tries to destroy me, I know God is still on my side. Have you ever felt that in the midnight hour when you felt like you couldn't go another another step, but Jesus shows up and says, you're not fighting this alone. You're not fighting this by yourself. I've got you in the palm of my hand. Oh, come on, worship the Lord and thank Him for His power. Concrete help comes. The angel strengthens Jesus to persevere and face what was coming. And we've needed that strengthening angel from time to time. Jesus continues to agonize. And along with the intense prayer comes this physical reaction. Sweat pools like clotted blood. And Luke shows us his humanity. The disciples are warned again. At best, they've been on the periphery during Jesus' prayer struggle. Their behavior is a stark contrast, both to Jesus, listen, both to Jesus' instructions, they weren't following them, and his behavior as well. And the prayer closes with, not my will, but yours. Jesus makes it clear that his request is less significant than his desire for the purpose of God. Not my will is a stone's throw further than sleepy prayers. I'm going to wind this up, but I want you to pay close attention right now. Here's what I want to tell you tonight. Jesus was victorious because he moved beyond the commitment level of those around him. I said Jesus was victorious because he moved beyond the commitment level of those around him. Some of you live in families where you may be the only one serving God. But the only reason Jesus was victorious is because he went further. I love you, brother. But you know what? I got to go further than the disciples, Jesus said. I got, you say, but he was the son of God. 
well and good. Eventually, those disciples had to get where Jesus was. It was going to cost them eventually. They may have been sleeping that day, but there came a time where they realized, you know what? If I'm going to accomplish his purpose in my life, I can't stay with the sleepy prayers of those around me. i got to go farther. It's going to cost me something, Pastor. I remember as a young person, let me talk to you young people. I remember as a young person, everybody going out to eat. But I had my face planted in the carpet because I needed victory. I needed something deeper than I had felt before. I needed something more. I needed to find the purpose of God. And I wasn't going to find it at the pizza hut. I wasn't going to find it at the cricket game. I wasn't going to find it sitting around watching football. Only place I was going to find it was a stone's throw further. Just let me go a little farther. I want what God has for me. I'm never going to find it unless I get beyond the commitment level of those around me. Please understand three things. Number one, God's purpose is not revealed to the casual observer. Amen? Some people say, I don't know why I can't really get any traction. I don't, I don't understand why I can't really live for God like I want to. You know, I can't, I, can't, I can't put it together. I don't understand. Well, you know, maybe it's because you're sitting down while everybody's worshiping. Oh, man, I'm making myself an home, ain't I, brother? It's just like, ah. I don't understand, Pastor, why I can't really get a grip on this thing. I can't understand why I don't grow in the Holy Ghost. Even though I just come once every six months. God doesn't reveal his purpose to the casual observer. People out in, the, out in the mall, they don't feel God's purpose. It's the people that are not only in the church, but the people that look at the church and say, I don't know about you, but I got I to gotta go a stone's throw further. I, I'm talking to I feel the Holy Ghost moving in this house tonight, talking to people. Pastor, I can't stay where I am. God doesn't reveal his purpose to the casual observer. Number two, connecting to God's purpose requires you to go further. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing you've always done and expecting this different results, right? That's the definition of insanity, they say. Doing what you've always done, expecting different results. Can I tell you something? If you want the Holy Ghost and all you've ever done is come down the front and said, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Stop that. It ain't going to work. 
You can do that all day long. God's not going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. But if you'll go a stone's throw further, if you say, I'm not going home the same way I, I came tonight, if you say, you know what, I'm going to give it all I got tonight. I'm going I'm to bring my faith. I'm going to bring my passion. I'm a, just like the person at the art, art museum. I can't give you that desire. But if you'll bring it to this altar, you're going to find a God that will pour out His Spirit on you. Why? Because his purpose requires you to go further. I'm not going to stay where I was. I'm not going to do what I've always done. I'm not going to keep going around in circles like I always have. This time, I'm going to break through. This time, I'm going to give it all I've got. This time, it's going to be different. I know this is simple, but thirdly, Spiritual empowerment only comes with greater commitment. It only comes with greater commitment. If you want to live in that mediocrity, if you want to live in that blue-gray world where there's little contrast, little challenge, and little victory, you can sail along in that murky water, but you will never experience the victory God has planned for your life. Everything I ever got from God that was worth anything only happened a stone's throw further. I'm tired. I'm tired of living like I have been. I'm tired of struggling like I am. I'm tired. Come on. Just come a stone's throw further. God's purpose isn't that far from where you are. It wasn't 200 meters. It was just a stone's throw. It's not that far from where you are. God's purpose is just beyond your will. God's purpose is just a stone's throw beyond your weariness. God's purpose is just a little farther than your current commitment. God's purpose is just beyond the temptation. God's purpose is just beyond the crowd. God's purpose is just beyond the norm. Let's stand together. was preaching on in Oklahoma Oklahoma City one Sunday Mother's Day is a big deal in the United States I don't know if it's a big deal here but it was Mother's Day I remember the service Brother Matthew Martin was the pastor there was a man all the way in the back he was doing a great impression of a statue man through all the worship he didn't budge I preached my heart out, and we came to pray. Believe it or not, he walked up to the front and continued that impersonation. So he stood at the front row like a statue. 
But the Spirit of the Lord began to move. And I watched him, Pastor Butcher. He didn't change his position at all, except for every two minutes or so, he'd just go like this. I watched him, stone-faced. I said to myself, he's crying. I walked down to the front row to that statue. And I said, I believe the Lord's ministering to you right now. In that moment, He broke. He said, Preacher, my grandbaby was dying. My grandbaby was dying, had minutes to live. And I prayed and I said, God, if you will save my grandbaby, I'll give my heart to you. And he said he's kept his part of the bargain. And my grandbaby's alive today, but I haven't kept my part of the bargain. I said, are you ready to receive the Holy Ghost? He said, yes, I am. And he lifted up his hands. I put my hand on his head. And he threw his hands back and began speaking in other tongues as the Lord filled him with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because he just went a stone's throw further, just a little distance, just a distance from back there to up here. It wasn't that far, but God was ready. God was ready. God was ready. God's ready right now. I wonder if you'd flood this altar. I wonder if you'd come. It's just, it's not very far. It's just a stone's throw. But if you'd make the distance, if you'd make the walk, if you'd, if you'd cover that distance, God has something special for you. God has something for you. He can fill you with the Holy Ghost. He can heal your body. He can refill you with His Spirit. He can touch you tonight. If you'll come, if you'll come, it's just, it's not that far. It's not that far. It's not that far. Just a stone's throw to his purpose. Just a stone's throw to victory. Just a stone's throw.